0: You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Meara.
1: And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're helping you decide what to do when you're reading a book that's, you know, it's just fine. It's fine. (laughs) Um, We're testing out a book holder and we're recommending plot-centric speculative fiction.
0: But first, Bria, what are you reading?
1: I am reading. I am reading. Okay, so Mallory... Uh, Green Glasses is a two-way street, you know?
0: It's a two-way street.
1: And during the drive, we got someone asking for a recommendation. I started several things this way, by the way. I didn't know that, but whatever, uh, about, they were like, oh, I really, I'm reading and currently really like this book called The Secret History of Food. And I was like, what's that? I, don't, I haven't read that. And so I immediately added it to my library, um holds and actually got the audiobook. I'm listening to it it's called the secret history of food strange but true stories about the origins of everything we eat by Matt Siegel it's read by Roger Wayne I believe Um, and it is wow what a fun book to listen to when I'm going on walks when I'm doing stuff I can put it on and I'm like oh I get to listen to like what a like piece of shit Kellogg was and like
0: <laughs> uh, oh and yeah like, he was uh, uh,
1: quite a quite a guy and believed all sorts of wild things Um a lot of the first chapter is all about pie. The Americans you see pie for like every meal, which I really appreciate. They're like, what are we having for dinner? We're having a pie. Um I'm currently listening to a chapter on uh corn, America's history with corn, which is, you know, a tough one and now it's like you and I consume I don't know, it's, like, some large amount of corn every year. It's, like, 40 pounds of corn or something like, without even knowing it. Yeah, I,
0: I personally eat a lot of corn, so I believe that. It's also
1: on, like, everything. But, it go- but so what he does is he goes through, like, the history of this food, but also, like, just the strange stuff that's happening. I have to say this, too. The narrator um, is very, uh, he's really good at, like, he does a lot of voices and accents, which I was not prepared Ooh. for. So when he's, like... Quoting a British person, he'll do the accent. And I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you for the glasser who brought it up. And I was like, that just seems like a Bria book. I really love, I loved facts. I love food histories. History, I love food and I love history. It's combining all the things I love. <laughs> and it's a lot of stuff that like I knew a little bit about, but like, you know, like the breakfast cereal trend, like breakfast cereal was thought of as, uh, they it was like the blandest you know, you know, whatever in the world and it was supposed to be f- to keep you... Um, pooping. The, yeah, and pure, you know, it was like a purity thing or something for a long time. Mm-hmm. And now now it's like made of like, you know, sugar and corn. <laughs> uh,
0: well, Kellogg didn't believe in like having sex at all. So it was like, don't have sex, just poop a lot. He was really big into pooping. Yeah,
1: yeah. He had, there's mm-hmm. some like questionable, a lot of questionable things happening there. Um, but anyway, loving this book. Uh, what are you reading,
0: Mallory? So I am continuing my romance train... 2023 is the is the year of romance for me and I am reading a book that is so fucking good it's so much fun it's called Satisfaction Guaranteed by Corellia Stetswaters and it is about this woman and she is an accountant for her parents uh who run a very very famous art gallery in New York and her parents are like really woo woo and they do drugs and they're always like doing weird stuff and she is the polar opposite of her parents she is buttoned up she loves numbers and organization and she doesn't do drugs and she doesn't do anything bad and she has this aunt who is just like her parents. She's a nudist, and she owns a sex toy shop in Portland, and she doesn't spend a lot of time with her aunt because they just don't get along. Like, she doesn't want to do drugs and hang out naked under the full moon like she wants to go to bed early and like fill out a spreadsheet but then her aunt (laughs) dies and she goes to Portland for the funeral and she's all sad that she like didn't spend didn't just get over herself and spend more time with her aunt and she finds out that her aunt has left her the sex toy shop but there are caveats uh, it's not just her. she is splitting it with her aunt's sort of like daughters that she never had. this woman that works at the sex shop and lives in the guest house behind her aunt's house and she is this woman is just like her aunt. She's like wears feather boas and corsets and like crazy makeup and all sort like she's just like uh completely unorganized, but she's lots of fun, and the two of them find out that the sex toy shop is deeply in debt and the aunt's will basically says you can both have, you can split the house and the sex toy shop, but you have to get it out of debt within the, and they have a time, like a date a timeline for it. And immediately they start fighting because the two of them are completely opposites. And one of them is just like, wants to have fun and be ridiculous and free. And the other one is like, no fun, no freedom, whatever. Um, but they're both quite attracted to each other. Oh. So it's like, A fun, steamy, queer romance that's just an absolute fucking blast. Uh, I am really, really enjoying it. So that's Satisfaction Guaranteed by Corellia Waters. And mine is The Secret History of Food, Strange But True Stories
1: About the Origins of Everything We Eat by Matt Siegel. And it is being read
0: by Roger Wayne. we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. We got so much feedback about the skimming skimming. episode. Oh, good. About the skimming segment where people were wondering if skimming counts as reading. So we got a lot of suggestions from people for possible reasons why someone would skim, including being dyslexic, uh, being autistic, and so- several people wrote in were like, well, maybe those people only read nonfiction
1: That's books. true, and you know what? Yeah, that's right. Skimming, I've been known to skim a nonfiction chapter or two.
0: But we have not heard back about the original skimmers. So the plot thickens. Oh, so These no, are all potential.
1: No one wrote in saying I am a skimmer and here's why I skim.
0: Well, no, we didn't hear back from this party from the um, person who went to this party and found out that all these people skim. So these are all possible reasons. Okay, but we the mystery has still not been solved. But I think these are all good reasons. Okay, yeah, Um, but we just don't we don't know. I have a I have a hard time. I don't think I, I know there are people who only read nonfiction. But I have a feeling that these people are the people at this party are not only reading nonfiction. Wow! So again, the plot thickens. We're going to find out. We're going to we're going to get into it. Uh, We also got a
1: lot of feedback uh, about letting a house sitter read your (laughs) book while you're away. The biggest Bria Mallory contentious event of 2023. Um, There was
0: so much discussion in the Slack about this. I was dying. Okay, all of it. Okay,
1: Uh, and the community seems to be split between Team Bria and Team Mallory basically between not caring if someone reads your books and absolutely caring if someone reads your books. But everyone seems to agree you should ask permission and that whether or not you know a person is an important factor. Those make sense, I guess. Yes, I guess. But I will, I will, I'll allow it, okay? I'll allow that you should ask. <laughs> you should, if yes. the important, if the if you know the person is different, although still don't know if I care, but I I understand.
0: We we had somebody write in who was like, I totally agree with Bria. I'm totally team Bria. Except for the underwear thing, Team Breer, <laughs> don't let anyone wear your underwear. That's fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> so we have a new uh, hashtag Team Bria, hashtag Team Mallory split. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was very interesting reading because pe- people felt the same way as us. There were some people who were like, "I would absolutely not let anyone touch my books unless if, unless I knew who they were." And then some people were like, "I don't give a shit. Yeah, read my books. Who cares?" Yeah. So it's very interesting. But I get but that's what we landed on is that you gotta ask. And it's important whether or not you know this person. Uh, And then Gloria sent in a wheelhouse, which is weird horror, dark mysteries, women that don't have time for some man's shit, Hades and Persephone retellings, and then Katie Robert book tags. And I don't know what that means, Bria.
1: Oh, what is it? Katie, K-A-T-E, Robert, book tags? Yeah, I don't know what that means. Most of my books now have the tropes tags and CWs listed on my website. Oh, so it's just like basically anything Katie Roberts,
0: like it's like subjects, right? I guess. I don't know. I have no idea. Katie Roberts is a fantasy romance writer, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's it means just
1: like stuff that Kate, that would be something that Katie Roberts would write about.
0: Sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast oh,
1: Mallory, could it be also what Katie Roberts is reading and tagging other people in?
0: I have no idea. Okay, let us know. Maybe books, us know. books at Let's Katie know. Robert blurbs. Oh, maybe. Let let us know, Gloria. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And some bookmarks. Just want to remind people that if you were listening to this The day that it comes out, June 1st, tomorrow, June 2nd, is our new member Zoom party. It's happening at 6 p.m. Pacific time. There is an invite in the Slack channel, but if you're not in the Slack channel, email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com for an invitation. This is a members-only Zoom party. It's to celebrate all of our new members from the recent Maximum Fun Drive, but all of our members are welcome. Uh, there's going to be different breakout rooms for different genres. We're going to be talking about books and recommending books. It's going to be really, really fun. So please join us for that. Uh, also I want to remind folks that I have more events coming up for my teeny tiny Girls Make Movies tour. I am- doing an event at the children's bookstore, The Frugal Frigate uh, in Redlands, California on June 10th at 1pm. I'll put a link in the show notes so if you are in the Inland Empire, if you are somewhere outside of Los Angeles, maybe if if you're in Los Angeles and you want to make the drive, it's going to be my first ever event at a children's bookstore and I'm super excited about it. It's just going to be me and I'll be talking about making stuff and movies and creativity and signing books and I am just super excited so please, please join me for that, all Southern California folks. And I want to remind people that I have a new Twitch show, which Mm -hmm. people should be extremely proud of me because I spent weeks learning how to use Twitch. Um, But it is called Ink Witches. It is a new weekly Twitch show with me and friend of the show lauren panapinto and if you are into pens especially fountain pens ink stationery notebooks journaling every wednesday night at 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern lauren and i get on twitch and we set up our journals for the week and test out inks and fiddle with pens and answer your questions about stationery and productivity and creativity and it's a fucking blast so there's a link in the show notes for that please join us so before we talk about how to handle mediocre books won't We're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by our friends over at Warby Parker. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. And the glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Try Warby Parker's free home try-on program, Order five pairs of glasses to try at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. Ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Bria, we love Warby Parker. I love Warby Parker. I love taking these little
1: glasses home, (laughs) trying them on, sending (laughs) pictures to my mom, to my friends, being like, which one's better? (laughs) A, B, C, D, E. There's five of them. <laughs> which, which ones do you like? It's really fun. I own multiple pairs of glasses from Warby Parker. Um, I own some very cool kind of aviator glasses, which I was very Ooh, excited to get. Yeah. They have,
0: But they have all sorts of look shapes. Are the glasses you're wearing right now Warby Parker? They are. Wow. You know, I love a cat eye. I love a professorial looking glasses pair. And these are fantastic. I have a couple pairs that I switch between. Also, my sunglasses are Warby Parker sunglasses oh, wow. as well. Yeah. I love them. It's just so easy. It's so easy to like order them online, have them shipped to your house. And they're try cute. Them on. Yeah. They're really great. They're like nice too, you know. Yeah.
1: They're very nice. um So you can try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash glasses. Glasses.
0: You probably already have a favorite animal. Maybe it's a powerful apex predator like the tiger, or a cute and cuddly panda. And those are great, but have you considered something a little more unconventional?
1: Could I perhaps interest you in the Greenland shark, which can live for nearly 400 years? Or maybe the jewel wasp who performs brain surgery on cockroaches to control their minds?
0: On Just the Zoo of Us, we review animals by giving them ratings out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Listen with friends and family of all ages to find your new favorite animal with Just the Zoo of Us on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. week it's happened to all of us you're reading a book and you're halfway through and it's just (laughs) fine it's not bad enough to dump but isn't good enough to totally suck you in it's a two or three star book what do you do we've got you covered so we do want to say so many glassers wrote in about this our listener questions document has so many questions. People have been writing in about this for a while. The plague of the mediocre book, people are asking. I'm midway through this book, and I don't really love it, but I don't really hate it. What do I do? Bria, has this ever happened to you? Oh, yeah, of
1: course. All the time. And I usually just text you, and I'm like, have you read this? Should I finish this? Like,
0: <laughs> I <know. laughs> That's usually what That's happens. That's really my solution. <laughs> I know, I know.
1: Because it's like, okay what if it gets better and I miss a great book, which is usually what's happening to all of us. And I was reading something recently and told you I wasn't loving the first few chapters and you were like, no, it gets better. So I did keep reading it. Um, but yeah, the the I don't hate it, but I don't love it book. Sure. Happens all the
0: time. Does this happen to you? Oh yeah. Again, I my <laughs> my personal solution is I usually just text Brea Grant mm-hmm. and say, hey, <laughs> have you read this? Should I keep reading? But I really think it's a common thing. Not every book is a banger. I would actually venture to say that at least half of the books are like this in the world for you personally. Obviously, a just fine book to one person might be the best book ever for someone else. But I think that at least a quarter of all the books that I personally start are just fine, you know? And another quarter gets dumped right away and the other half is like books I really like and then books I really love. But this is a good portion of the books in the world.
1: Um, Yeah. What is that saying
0: that the, the opposite
1: of love is not hate, but it's indifference? Apathy. Or uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that is how I feel about some of these books where it's like, I don't love it. I'm kind of indifferent about it, you know, which is
0: not good. So Bria, what do you do besides texting me or texting you? What do do we do about it?
1: I have gotten pretty strict about about dumping my books uh, because I've had some real bummers lately. Ones where I've been like, oh, I want, this is fine, but not great. And then if I push through, I'm always like, "Why did I do that? Like, I did that was a waste of my time." Uh, and I'm trying to get better about just being like, "Okay, it's not grabbing me. I'm not looking forward to reading it at night. I should not keep reading it." If I'm not looking forward to it, that's a sign that it's not a bad book, but it's yeah. it's a just fine. It's a just fine book. hashtag Just Fine, uh, Mallory. What What about you? <laughs> what are you doing when you're in the middle of a
0: hashtag just fine. Oh, that's see for me. That's the toughest part is when you don't realize a book is just fine until you're halfway through it. Because mm. if it's really boring at the start, you're probably just going to realize that you should dump it right away. And that's what happens to me. And I've talked on about it on the show before. But if you're halfway or even three quarters of the way through a book, that's when it's skimming time, baby. Yeah. <laughs> like that's honestly what I do. That way, I find out what happens, and then it's over in like a half an hour instead of six, and I can just start something new. Because that's I. That's how I can normally. T- If I'm halfway through a book and uh, like I'm not looking forward to it, I'm not sucked into it. And I start like dreaming about what I'm gonna read next and like keep I keep looking over at my little book cart. That's that's normally a sign. So I just I just fucking skim it. You skim it. But yeah. Bria, what if you don't want to skim? Should you push through it? No, I don't I'm not skimming. I'm dumping. I'm dumping all the way.
1: (laughs) I there are books that are gonna grab me a lot more. Even if I'm halfway through, I'm like, well, I don't wanna like it's a sunk cost fallacy, right? I've already put half my time into this. Why would I put more time into this? I mean, like, you have to, like, yeah. really think through that. If I just don't care what's happening, this is a sign that the book is mediocre. Um, and there are times where I'm, like, I'm curious where it goes. But I, I – I, look, I have been known to skim. There was a book recently I, I told – I talked about it on the show – I talked about with you where I was like I wanted to know what happened, so I did skim the ending. And honestly, I regret the time it took me to skim it. Skim it. I was like, uh-huh. why did I do that? I like, I know I didn't really actually give a fuck at the end. I could have read a like summary on Wikipedia or something. You know, like I should just <laughs> do that instead. Uh, so you're you're skimming or you're pushing?
0: I I definitely don't act, actually push through it. And I think you hit the nail on the head. The sunken cost fallacy really gets readers. Um, but I do I think if. Instead of pushing through, if you don't want to skim, you got to dump it. Trying to muscle your way through a boring book, that is a surefire way to get yourself into a book slump. And I know that it feels super disheartening to dump a book after you've already sunk hours into it. And probably even more hours because if this is a just meh book, you're not flying through it. You're not excited about it. A hot tip to make you feel better? I think what you should do is dump it and have the next book you pick up be a wicked short book mm-hmm. because then you'll fly through it and trust me, it'll make you feel better about the time that feels wasted because you'll read this ne- next book super fast and be like, "Wow, look at me go! Yeah. I'm just flying!" And I like because if you pick a, a really big honker after this, you'll just feel bogged down. I think. Yeah, and sometimes that happens. We, you, and I have both had some real, real duds lately, and uh, so I, I highly recommend picking either a short book or just a book that is light and fun, and you will fucking get through it. Now, big question. If you were dumping a book that is just fine, not bad enough to hate, but not good enough to love, is it worth putting it down and picking it up later?
1: I'm saying yeah. I'm saying yeah cuz look, maybe the writing isn't great, but maybe, you know, a few weeks later you're like, "I wonder what that character's doing." You know? Or maybe you do not want to know what happened like in the plot. I think this is a time you could revisit the book, because I mean, this is what we've talked about a lot is if you put down a book, you can always go back to it later, which makes it easier for you to put it down. Um, and I don't know what other book you would return to. You're not going to go back to a book you hate, you know, so you may as well go back <laughs> to the book that's it's fine. It's fine. It's not really grabbing you for whatever reason, but it gives you an excuse to put it down and to go like, maybe I'll return to this. But if you haven't thought about that book again, don't go back to it. If you like if you look at it and you're like, ooh, I remember uh, bad feelings when you look at it when you look at it it's like a a yawn you look at it it's a big yawn and then like yeah <laughs> don't go back to it but but knowing you can we always feel like is a good way to quit a book
0: knowing you can return later yeah i mean i I probably wouldn't I think that's a perfect litmus test though is if you're if you've thought about the book I think that's the way to do it if you have wondered about it like in the like you put, you dump it. And then like a month later, you're kind of like, what's going on. That's a great thing. Cause I, I personally would not pick it back up. Cause I think if it's boring now, when you know all the things and you know who all the characters are, it's definitely not going to get more exciting when you forget all the people and you don't yeah. know what's happening. Sure. Um, but I think that's, that's the way to do it. I, I, so I think our, our suggestion here is no matter how far into a, a two-star book you are, and you don't, you're not into it, just dump it. And if you think about it later on and you're curious, give it another shot. But if you never think about it again, time to go in the donate pile, baby, yeah. or yeah. recycle or whatever you want to do with it, but definitely, or sell it uh, at your local used bookstore. But yeah, you got to get out. You got to, you got to escape. Dump that yeah. book. It's, yeah is really our, our uh our advice here. Uh so you can send your thoughts on meh books to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com and before we test out some book tech we're gonna take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon has replicated your favorite childhood cereals to taste good, but each serving contains zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five net grams of carbs per serving. That means it is a gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free way to relive those moments watching your favorite cartoons. It's only 140 calories per serving. I don't know how much cartoon watching you're doing nowadays, but you can do some cereal eating.
1: definitely can do some cereal eating, but maybe you want to have a little snack while you're reading yeah. a book. You're like, I am craving something that's yummy, that is wholesome, and that is nostalgic. Something that tastes like the stuff I love. Look, y'all, y'all know I love a delicious snack. <laughs> I want snacks that <laughs> Take taste Take it from good. certified snack expert, Bria Grant. That's right, and that's exactly what you get here. And guess what? Birthday cake is back. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very popular, previously limited edition only flavor, but now it's back to stay, and they're celebrating Birthdays all year. Everyone, you can celebrate your birthday with this very special flavor of Magic Spoon.
0: Hell yeah. I love the peanut butter. I love the cinnamon. The fruity is really my favorite. My boyfriend likes the cocoa one and the maple waffle one, but you, maybe you're listening to these and you're like, wow, these sound like childhood breakfast cereals. That's it. You got cookies and cream, blueberry muffin, frosted, fruity cocoa. It is so great. Folks, you know, I gotta eat a lot of protein to build up these muscles so I can lift more books, and it, it's great. I love being able to get a snack that is so fun, but also has so much protein in it and not, with no gluten or grain. So you can head to magicspoon.com glasses to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try the magic for yourself, and be sure to use our promo code GLASSES at checkout to save $5 off your order.
1: And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash glasses and use the code GLASSES to save $5 off. Glasses. Glasses. I'm Jordan Cruciola, the host of Feeling Seen, where we talk about the movie characters that make us feel seen.
0: And I'm the show's producer, Marissa. Jordan, you've interviewed so many directors, actors, writers, film critics, and I like to play this little game where I take a sip of coffee every time someone says... That's such a great question. That's such a fabulous question. Or they tell you how smart you are. I think that you are rather brilliant. And of course, the big one is when when they they cry cry unexpectedly. unexpectedly. Yes, yes. Jordan, I don't want to cry on your podcast. I wasn't expecting to (laughs) cry. I mean, it makes me kind of want to cry. Ah. Feeling Scene comes out every Thursday on
1: MaximumFun.org. Listen already.
0: What are you waiting for? Jordan, that's such a great question. (laughs) This week's book tech was sent to us by rachel so this is the rachel this is what must have happened is that rachel got <sighs> copy pasted oh. and put into rebecca's place but this is the rachel uh rachel wrote i've been wanting to get something
1: that will let me prop open books so i can read while i knit maybe this one will work really
0: well i'm hoping y'all can do a review of it thanks uh, so what Rachel sent us is the Gimbal Traveler. It is a small blue plastic device that has two adjustable arms coming off a central spine. You put your open book on the central spine, and you put the arms on top of the pages to keep your book open. What do we think about this? Um. Okay, it's very small. So just so you know, this is not like a
1: huge device. Uh, Like, you know, sometimes we have these giant devices that are hard to take places. So I can see why it's the Traveler. It's definitely can travel places. It can go places. Um, and it does seem to work. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's holding open a book for me. I have the book sitting on its like, you know, the short end of the book. So it's literally just sitting up straight. <laughs> but you could also lay it down, I believe. Yes, you could lay it down. It's a little little less easy to do laying down. And it also feels like I guess the arms are adjustable. Um, in that they can bit you can use it for larger books. I just am using for like a normal Normal-sized paperback right now. Um, um, I think it's pretty great. I mean, it t- it's going to depend on how fast you read. It's going to depend on... Because every time you need to turn the page, you're going to have to lift up the little arm and turn the page. It would be great if you could get it for, like, a great big huge book with tiny writing so that way you can, like, leave it open for long periods of time. Uh, Just for, like, a regular paperback, it's going to be a lot of work for you to turn the page, which is just part of the you know, the model here. Like, to get the page out. Mallory, did you have the same problem? Like, to get the page yeah. out, it's going to be... I'm trying to do it right now. Like, it's taking me... Two hands... And that long to turn the page. So, it's, it's a little bit of work, and you have to put down the knitting. But... For what you want it for, if you're like, okay, I just want it to be open while I'm knitting. It is holding the book open. I'm just not going to say it's not the greatest design I've ever seen. So I, I'm going to go like a three out of five pages for this. Um, it's it's fine. It could work. Again, like if I'm talking about specifically for the knitting situation, that is what I'm reviewing yeah, it Yeah, that's for. really the thing. And then if you had a much bigger book, I could see it being great for that. I could see it being great for cookbooks. Um Maybe Sean will yes. inherit this after we're after after this review because uh, it would be great for holding open your cookbooks while you're cooking um, and they're not going anywhere and you don't need to turn the page so often with a cookbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? What did what, what, you think about the
0: Gimbal Traveler? I had a little trouble with this one because I, I, it was tough for me to figure out how to adjust the little arms. Like mm. it took me a, a minute to realize that the arms are adjustable for – like you have to – uh, like adjust them specifically for the book that you're holding that you, that, you, that you have yeah. and that you have to like slide them out a little bit. And it was a little tough. Um, that's it. I mean, you're right. It definitely works. It is a lightweight way to keep your book open. Now I agree with you. It takes a minute to finagle it and turn the page when the arms are on your book. I think besides cookbooks, this would be really good for going to the beach where there's like a lot of wind and you're like laying on a towel and you want something that's like very mm-hmm. hands-free but for knitting, I think it might be too much of a pain to put your needles down and your yarn and use both hands because you can't do it one handed is really the thing. But yeah. if you are like laying on your stomach on a towel and you have both your hands free and you can kind of like hold the book with one hand and then like adjust it with the other, that would be really easy if you're by the pool, by a lake, whatever. But if you're knitting and you uh, need to like still hold all your knitting stuff, I just don't think it's going to help, help Rachel. Um, I would actually recommend a book weight for Rachel because that's something that you can move with one hand. Just like pick it up and flip the page. Um, I will... a test. I love my book weight. It is one of the first things we tested out on the show six Mm -hmm. years ago and Mm -hmm. I still use it all the time. I think that would be better for Rachel. This particularly, it's called the gimbal traveler and there's like pictures of people outside on the packaging. And I think that's really what it's meant for, um, for knitting. I would, Rachel, I would get a book weight and the book weights are this, this thing is, I think it's less than $10 and so is a book weight or somewhere around $10. So they're both, uh, um, Price compatible on it, but I think the book weight would be better for knitting.
1: Yeah, and I, I think would, look, oh. the other thing I'd say this could be good for is if you are a person who can't physically hold a book, um, and or yeah. and you need, but the problem is the turning of the page. Yeah. So like, then you'd still have to pull it out. So I don't even know if it's good for that. Like, you still have to like have someone pull it out. I mean, like, yeah, feels like a lot. Um, it's a lot of work, but yeah, maybe it is for more like a wind, a windy tunnel situation. <laughs> a windy tunnel. <laughs> You know, when you go vacation in a wind tunnel, and then it, and then a book is flying, the thing is flying
0: around. If you're on an you're airplane, you're vacationing at the airport yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it's for. That's what it's for. I think we're both giving this a three out of five pages because um, it definitely does the job, but it should be easier to flip the pages so you can throw it in your in your tote bag for when you go to the beach, when you go to read on the tarmac at LAX, yep, uh-huh. you know, whatever, wherever. San Jose, you, as, which we've
1: covered has a,
0: yeah, uh, there you, know, you, you go. You there. go- <laughs> uh, yeah. Check it out. You can- we'll put a link in the show notes to this. And if you have ideas for book tech, you can send them to reading glasses podcast and gmail.com or check out our wish list in the show notes. Time to answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. This one is from a Sarah, of course, who Sarah missed the deadline for the Drive recommendations, but we've got Sarah covered now. So, Sarah's Wheelhouse is um, mainly full of plotty, speculative fiction with interesting characters. Uh, A queer love story is a big plus, but not strictly required. Recent favorites include The Watchmaker of Filigree Street and other works by Natasha Pulley, the Murderbot Diary series by Martha Wells, and the Innsmouth Legacy series by Ruthanna Emrys. I am a longtime diehard lover of Terry Pratchett's Discworld books. Happy to give witchy and ghosty books a chance as long as they're not depressing or super violent. Bria, what do you think Sarah should read?
1: Okay, Sarah. I'm sure you've read this because when you say potty, speculative, queer fiction, I just, this is the book I just thought of immediately. You've probably read it, but if not, this is my suggestion to you. Uh, it's Gideon the Ninth by Tamsyn Muir. Uh, it's got a necromancer. It's got queerness. It's got a battle based on wits and strength. It's a great book. It's very plot heavy. There's a lot of characters to keep up with. It's um, it's big, but all takes place in this one thing. I, I think it's quite good. I was looking at your other books that you were interested in that you that you liked and it feels like this falls into that world um i think you'll dig it maybe you've already read that um if you have here mallory has another one for you
0: what do you got uh so plot centric speculative fiction that's like natasha pulley uh an author i love that's what i'm going for here i've never Um, read natasha pulley should i should i i think you would really like her she does this she does historical fantasy Mm. um And now we both figured out that we love historical fantasy for some reason. Um, And I really like her books. Um, And since I'm trying really hard not to recommend Things in Jars by Jess Kidd Mm -hmm. anymore... I retired that book. I am going to recommend a book that I really liked from last year. It is Ordinary Monsters by J.M. Miro. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's set in Victorian England, and it's about a school of children who have extraordinary abilities. And the people who run the school, they, like, go all around the world trying to find these children. And some kids are – it's kind of like Miss Peregrine's school for something-something children. I forget the name of it. Peculiar – Kids, I don't know. I forget what the name. uh, Peculiar, peculiar. But those children are peculiar. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, those weird little kids. Uh, (laughs) but they all have like the like um you know sort of magical but but strange abilities. Uh, and they're these the people who run the school. They go all around the world trying to find these kids because there are these monsters who are also hunting down the kids for not good reasons. So these people who run the school, uh, and of course the school. I think is the school is in Edinburgh. Ah. Because why? Why wouldn't it be? Um, but uh, so it's like kind of a thriller, and it's it's very much like Natasha Pulley in the way that it's a honker and it's filled with a lot of historical details, but it's also very plot focused and it moves along at a really good pace. Um, it is the first in a trilogy. The next book is out next year. I'll definitely be reading it. It's just like really, really fun uh, Victorian England. Magical, maybe a little bit spooky, but not too much romp. I think uh Sarah would really like it. So that's uh Ordinary Monsters by J M. Miro.
1: And I think you gotta try uh Gideon the Ninth by Tam Zimmuir.
0: So if you want us to answer your recommendation request or solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. And remember, if you want to support us and look sexy and bookish, you can buy all kinds of Reading Glasses merch over at our Void Merch store. There's totes, there's shirts, there's stickers, there's pillows, there's all kinds of cool stuff uh, in different colors and different fabrics. It's It's a great place to to, to get some stuff uh, and it and actually directly supports us. There's a link in the show notes to that. And if you like the show and you want to support us for free, you can write and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. We're still working towards those soapopias. So if you're <laughs> uh, if you're an Apple podcast listener, get on that. It only takes you 30 seconds if you do it in the app. It is great for us and really helps us reach more potential glassers. A lot of potential glassers out yep. there in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for Thanks for reading. For reading.